alternative routes rather than a bachelor's degree. It's time to tear the paper ceiling and see the stars beyond it. Find out how you can make stars part of your talent strategy at tearthepaperceiling.org. Brought to you by Opportunity at Work and the Ad Council. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King. Yes, back on a Saturday with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates. It's been about, what, seven months maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. more. That's right. Uh, and you still have a beautiful, shining face. Well, gee, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, we are here uh, to take your financial questions, 715-845-2155. I had to think a moment about the phone number. <laughs> I still have to write it down every time. It's been 20 years. so long. But uh, the phone lines are open here this morning. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. Um, let's start with the, the market uh, down week for the S&P and NASDAQ, uh, worst since March, I guess. Uh, just give us maybe uh, your take on what, what was going on in the market this week that caused that drop. You know, it really kind of comes around to the economic economic numbers once again. So we got economic numbers that are showing that the economy is slowing down. So you get those that are excited and saying, okay, the economy is slowing down. Interest rates are going to drop tomorrow. Well, they're, they're not, folks. They're not going to drop tomorrow. Maybe we see something in expectations by first quarter next year. We see interest rates coming down a little bit. So you're seeing that balance between interest rates coming down. I'm sorry, the, the economy is slowing down. Interest rates are coming down. Jobs came down, adjusted below 200,000 now for the second month. Oh, no, the world's falling apart, folks. We're, we're fine. Well, Hang in there. So you get all the playing back and forth because of that. When you say the uh, economy is slowing down, I mean, that means inflation is coming down. And most folks would look at that, especially with the inflation we've had for the last couple of years, as being a good thing. That, that's exactly the whole point. You get that play back and forth of saying what's good, what's bad, where are we going, what's going to be the best for me and my investment group or me as an individual investor? What's the best way for me to play this? Is it best for me to just wait for interest rates to come back and everything's going to be great then? Um, is it going to be great for me that inflation is going to be lower? My particular case will be better in that situation. So you get all that balance that's playing out right now. It's just making the markets coming back and forth. So the biggest thing we have to look at is just simply saying, look at the numbers. What's happening with corporate profits? And largely, they're okay. Even Apple, you know, they said sales slowed down again, uh, 1%, and they need to have some uh, new technology or stuff to bring them back up in the critical mass and growth from a business standpoint. But uh, profits are there and some new things that they're doing are still making money for them. If we look at the profits from there. Um, uh, we just literally, as I sat down, Warren Buffett through Berkshire Hathaway, profits announced doing good. So companies are still making money and we're still working. And so we're not falling off the face of the earth, but we just have to wait for stuff to settle out like it would continue. But inflation is good unless you're on Social Security, which is in a big a uh, number of articles this morning about Social Security with uh, inflation being down. Yeah, I saw that, that, that article about the uh, cost of living adjustment for next year. A lot of people are panicking, thinking it's not going to uh, keep up with inflation. But one guy posted uh, an article about how they're not taking into account that inflation is going to be down. So the buying okay. power of the of the COLA, of the cost of living increase, is going to be okay it's going to be less than last year because last year was uh, they. I think they last caught. Year was they, just kind of, it's they caught up. Right on a peak. Right. I mean, yeah. Really yeah. At a perfect time. Yeah. So it's going to be different, but it's not going to be a disaster like some people are, are saying. Um, you you mentioned Berkshire Hathaway, and I saw that story that uh, they've got like 150 billion dollars in cash in their coffers, uh, waiting for Warren Buffett to decide where to invest it. You know, they were also investing in in Occidental Petroleum, a company that uh, I think the story said it was down. Uh, their stock was down 9% this year. Um, I guess talk about, obviously, buy low, sell high is is the axiom we all live on. So Warren Buffett probably does that better than anybody. But uh, buying Occidental Petroleum, buying any petroleum company at this point, 
um, when a stock is down 9%, that's a, that's a good idea, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, what I always think is interesting is, is look at Warren Buffett. He's 94 years old, and he's still buying for the long term. I mean, that's, that's optimism. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Warren Buffett says you want to buy stuff at the worst pessimism, and, and oil and gas has been down because of you know, regulation and that whole bit, but Occidental Petroleum has been a very well-run company. Not big, but very well-run. Uh, they got pipeline, they got drilling, they got everything doing, and they do a really nice job at it. So when their price was down this past week, um, I'm sorry, this past year, um, uh, Warren Buffett has been buying into it. He did the same thing with Apple a number of years ago, started buying into a lot of Apple stock and doing real well when the stock was a little down there. So Can the average investor do what Warren Buffett does, or does Warren Buffett operate on a plane that is so far above the average investor that it really doesn't tell the average investor anything that's going to help them? Quite honestly, Warren Buffett's written a number of books on how to invest, how Warren Buffett does it. Warren Buffett is trying to look at um, where can we take opportunities in the next three or five years. You know, so for you look at, and I'm just giving this as an example right now. Let's say we're a real estate investor, and uh, right now interest rates are going up, and maybe home sales are down because we don't have as many. Um, would it make sense for me to buy some land and wait for it to redevelop it in three or four years when interest rates come back down? If they do, and building market starts going crazy again, but that, so that's the type of mentality that Warren Buffett's looking at. By the way, I'm not recommending we run out and do that. Just using that as an example. You know, a number of years ago, uh, some tech stocks, uh, you know, in 21 and 22, when they were ramped up so high in valuations, they came back down. Was it a good time at that point in time to buy and into the tech stock? Well, this year would have proved to be a brilliant idea, especially if you're doing anything instead of artificial intelligence, which would really you know, represent pretty much what my wife thinks about me with my iPhone. I want to talk about artificial <laughs> intelligence. We'll do that later in the program. But uh, yeah, because that certainly is something that we need to really uh, concern ourselves with, I think, going forward. Um, speaking about uh, inflation and recession possibilities, you said even back last year when I was still doing the show that you didn't believe there would be a recession uh, coming up. And now J.P. Morgan Chase uh, agrees with you in going into 2024. They don't think there's going to be a recession, just what they call subpar growth. Yeah, so yeah. as long as there's a little bit of growth, that's good. Um, then you can argue about what's enough growth, uh, but certainly that's better than recession talk that we've been, yeah, that the, we've been hearing. You know, there's, there's, whole, there's points all over the place on the map when I'm talking about a recession. What's a recession going to look like? Are we going to have a recession? All of that sort of stuff. All that stuff is popping all over. Um Interestingly enough, one of my favorite, and I'll come back to Jamie Dimon in, in his articles and my personal thoughts. Uh, one of my favorite economists is Brian Westbury out of First Trust in Chicago. And uh, his article this past week has said, you know, Austrians look at how inflation and recession comes uh, differently than a lot of Keynesian economists uh, look at it. They think that government causes a lot of those issues because they're trying to sway an economy or a populace one way or another. Um, and so they cause a lot of that because of the instability that they create. They create a lot of inflationary events and then can turn into recessionary events. That was part of his article, not saying that one way is right or wrong, but just an examination of what they were doing. Um, and and I, I look at it as that I like to follow what the numbers are going to do in, in, in that whole bit. I'm a big fan of it. And I've been saying here all along that um, I think what we're having isn't going to necessarily be this full-blown recession, especially as we saw back in 2008, 2009. And, and the reason is, is I'm a firm believer that if we use our, our median line as a GDP, we dropped right off when we shut off with the pandemic. We shut it all off. Then we turned it back on and we had to you know, refill all of our pipelines. We had to you know, refill stock. We had to refill inventory. We all got back to work and then we overshot way past GDP. We went way up from an economic indicator for whatever measure you want to use. 
And I think we're now coming back or coming back to the norm. And so as we regress back to this mean, oh, geez, those are big words this morning. <laughs> um, as we come back to this mean, it's going to be considered a slowdown or a recessionary period of time. But is it really slowing our economy down? And, and so far, I'm not seeing any measure that it is. So will it? Potentially. You know, with the interest rates and the stuff are showing that we should have a recession, but we don't know what it looks what it's going to look like. So Jamie Dimon and others are saying, you know, this fabled soft landing that everybody's talked about, at least in the 30 years I've been in this industry, and by the way, I've never seen it happen, it might. Um, we're, we're looking at what's happening with, you know, recessions have great big purges of unemployment. We're not seeing that. Economy slowing? Yes. Jobs slowing down, new creation now? Yes. But we're not seeing that big purge of that. We're not seeing uh, people just running off and going crazy uh, with financial numbers. It's not. Um, credit cards going up, sure. Savings coming down a little bit, sure. But again, they were just so high and so low comparatively. And so we could be just simply having a slowdown of growth. Maybe it hits a recessionary number, but nothing major. That's what appears to be the case at this point in time. Jamie Dimon. Uh, does this mean man than me having that same conversation? Does this mean that the big brains in the Federal Reserve got it right as they did the interest rate hikes over the last two years? Maybe, um, um, you know, maybe. I think I think in addition to that, um, they increased the interest rates to, to stifle it quick quickly. I agree with that part of it, but more importantly, you and I as consumers continue to keep spending, and I think the reason for that is we started getting back to work. So as the um, uh, stimulus from the pandemic started wearing out, we said, hey, well, we got to better get back to work again. And we did that at large. And so as we started getting back to work again, we started you know, working and, and that whole bit and filling the jobs that needed to be filled and getting the industry's stock back up again. And I think we did that. Um, so good, bad, or indifferent, I think the combination appears to be working at this point in time. We can see evidence of the M2 money supply, though it's spe- spiked a little bit recently, but and we see the M2 money supply, which basically never falls off. It fell off as it should have, or we wanted it to as a society. Um, we saw um, you know, all the things that we wanted to hopefully happen actually did happen. So we could have the fabled soft landing. That'd be cool. I could say for the first time in my career, I saw it happen. <laughs> all right. 715-845-2155 is the number. If you have a question for Merle regarding your portfolio or anything involving your investment uh Uh, ideas give us a call here this morning we'll be right back on wsau while serving in vietnam a grenade took my ability to see today i'm a sculptor now my fingers are my eyes i'm michael naranjo as a veteran i know the challenges of life can be great in my art turning a lump of clay into something beautiful that is worth doing life is like that we each must use what we can to make things better DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. I know it can do a lot of good. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. 
When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, the five is the number to call. You know, we talked about Social Security before, and uh, I want to touch upon an article that Philip Van Dorn has in here because it's a question we get continually um, in my office on a, on a regular basis, and I want to just touch base with it. So if you're coming up on Social Security and you want to uh, you know, know, should I take Social Security, should I not? It's just a real fast, real easy article, folks. And I want to bring it up to you. You know, first of all, baby boomers are turning 65. So that peak 65 they're talking about is actually going to happen next summer. We had the maximum number of people at age 65 collecting from Social Security. By the way, how's Social Security working for you? I, I enjoy having money show up in my bank account every month. That's, it's that's very nice. Cool. Yeah. That you didn't have to do anything for. Well, you did something <laughs> What do you mean? Past, We've been but, saving like that for years. Yeah, I mean, well, come I mean, on. you did something in the past, it's, but it's kind of nice. Yeah, all right. There you go. So I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. So in here, what he did is he went through and said, using his own numbers and just using a $2,000 number just to begin with, he says, well, what happens if you wait with Social Security? And is it best for me to wait versus to take it later? He comes to the same conclusion that many of us in the investment industry come up with the same thing too, which is if you're not going to work at 62 and you're not going to have sources from other places, obviously take Social Security. It makes sense that we should do so. But if you are going to continue to work, wait, because as he goes through his number, he just rounded it to 8%. That was some 7.8 or something of this nature. Uh, but about every year that you wait, you get an 8% increase inside of your Social Security. So in his numbers and using it, he said he rounded to 2000 if he waited until age 70, if you really want to do that, aside from COLA adjustments, um, his income would go up to about 3700 per month if he had waited that, that period of time. But, but it's, it, isn't it, it also a question of whether or how long you think you're going to live? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a point that you can look at mathematically if you, if you live to this age and you didn't take Social Security, you'll make this much if you live to this age and you did take Social Security early you'll make this much. And, and then there's a balancing point as to when you should take it. It's, it's, it's just a the, guess. Oh, I yeah. Know. One of the things in my industry is I, if I know when a person's going to die, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> I can make that number perfect. Uh, we don't know. And that's entirely yet. And so, you know, I always look at it in the recommendation we have through our offices. Are you going to work from 62 to 65? Well, yeah, I'm still going to keep working and have to do health insurance. Well, then don't take Social Security. Because you get that fall off in income when you start going over seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars now, and that number's adjusted. So you know, I'm getting old now. I can't tell you the exact dollar amount without my, you know, extended. You mean what brain, you can, what you can earn? What you can yeah. earn? I, I, I think uh, it, it's. I want to say it's twenty two thousand, but don't quote me on that. Um, and now I'm in my full retirement year, so yeah. coming up like next month, and then you can earn as much as you want. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to go a lot higher. And so in here, with that, if you're going to continue to work because of health insurance between 62 to 65, it just makes sense for most people just to not collect Social Security um, because you're going to have a reduction based upon the amount that you're going to pay, and it's not going to do any good. So, But, you know, talk with your financial professional and get that calculation. But for most of us, waiting until 65 to 67 is going to be the neighborhood that we're going to start collecting on Social Security anyway. When you have a 401k, you don't have to take money out of your 401k until you turn... Now 73. 73, okay. Right. So what should you do with that 401k in the interim between, say, age 65 when you retire and age 72 when you have to start taking money out of that? Should you just leave it where it is? Should you move it somewhere else? Uh, what What's the strategy? Well, it's like any other type it. of investment asset. You, you have it ready to go and you... Monitor, groom it, get the best rate of return you can for the risk you're willing to take, um, like any other type of investment. So leaving inside of an existing 401k might have some benefits for expenses and fees. And you could do that, right? I mean, you yeah. could leave it in there as long as you want, right? You can. Um, sometimes companies will try to want you to take it out because the company's still paying a fee on that. 
Um, um, but the company that is at will certainly let you go into an IRA with it, but you still have that subset of investments. So if you go into a, a traditional IRA, you have the ability to use almost any type of an investment you may want to. And, you know, so some people say, well, isn't that better? Well, um, I have to put on my compliance hat here and says, your rate of return isn't any different than if you leave it in your 401k or if you put it inside of a new IRA because the investments and the risk are whatever you take. Past performance continues no future results, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have more investment options, I think that allows you to have more choices should things go awry or you want to take advantage of something having inside of an individual IRA account. Um, but the expenses could be a little bit higher doing it that way too versus leaving inside the 401k. But it's all about, okay, I'm gonna, if I'm not going to use the money for five years, I might as well get it to do something one way or another. Um, and that's uh, what I would look at uh, in, in doing so. When you do start to take money out of that, um, does that you just set it up so that the money tr- automatically transfers from the 401k to your bank account? Or how does that, uh, well, are there ta- their tax ramifications yeah, it, and all of that? It's generally going to be from an individual IRA account, whether it's at the 401k provider or other, but it's generally coming from an IRA account today. Um, but yeah, you set it up that way. Just like you like your social security shows up in your account. You're like, ta-da, Yahtzee. You do the same thing. Um, probably I'd say in our office, 95% of the people take the money out on a monthly basis. Uh, we have the money taxes withheld right off the bat. The net amount goes inside the checking account. They do their taxes at the end of the year. Easy peasy all done once you get it all set up. That's really the simplest way to make it happen. It looks like, feels like it's a pension. It goes there, goes inside of the account. Of course, whether it's guaranteed or not is a whole nother set of conversation, but, um, but it shows up inside of the account. It makes it all a lot easier and simpler. So that you retirees like you have the ability to just go out and go to the fair whenever you feel like <laughs> and have a great time. And yes, guys, mm. still working. I have to keep working yet. Hey, I'm here, man. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, as Chris Conley calls me, the hardest working retired man in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm go. still I'm still doing some stuff here. All right. I tell you what, we need to take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, But the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and a 55. We had mentioned uh, earlier in the show that, uh, you know, people are working again. They're back to work Um, for two years. At least we had help wanted signs everywhere. Every place was trying to find people to work and they just couldn't do it. They were short staffed. And there are still some places in the in the uh, entertainment world or the restaurant world, bar world, where they're still finding trouble finding people to work. But yet. There's a news story out there that there are fewer businesses hiring now, and that should mean that jobs are full. And um, I I guess I wanted to find out, is that happening around here too, or is that some other places around the country, or or is it happening everywhere? Um, From my friends, 
that I'm talking to that instead of the manufacturing business. Um, like you said, the business has come back to the, the number of employees that they have, even though many places are still looking for a few people. So when the demand was so high as we're filling up the pipelines or restocking our society back up, um, they didn't have enough employees to reach that new demand. Remember, real quickly after um, um, the pandemic, our demand went back up to where we were in 19, but we didn't have the capacity to fill the over-demand that came. So we had X, X plus 2 is what our demand was. And so now we're back at X where we're supposed to be, and a lot of places are having the number of employees that they need for that demand. Some places still looking, primarily from a manufacturing standpoint, we're seeing it. I think you could make the argument, and I think we I made this argument back when I was still doing the show with you, you know, last year, that... Um, you should be able to find workers if you're willing to pay what the market is going to demand. I, for example, the, I was up north the last couple of days, and there's a, there are two places up north that I went to, uh, bar restaurants. One, short-staffed, didn't have enough workers. Another, even a little bit larger, fully staffed and probably probably had more workers than they needed. Uh, to to take care of everybody, um, and I would I would imagine the only reason that is maybe the workplace is better, maybe but for the most part I would imagine people work because they're making more money. So if one place is paying more than the other, that's where the people are going to go to work. You know, Tom, I'm really proud of you because that's capitalism <laughs> and uh, supply and demand. But there are really also people that thought. complain about that, say, well, if that's yeah. if that's the case, then prices are going to go up and we're going to uh, consumers are going to pay more for everything. Well, they are. That's called society. That's the way the world works. But it's truth of that. I mean, um, the way it's worked is, and one of the reasons we've seen wages going up so high is, is simply because if you wanted to have the employees to get your job done, you're going to have to pay more once you do so. Um, one of the arguments you get from business is, okay, I'm paying more money, but I'm not getting that amount of money out of work for the person. Well, that's another well, conversation. That's, that's a different, yeah, different conversation. Uh, later on, you know. So, um, but, I mean, that's been a, it's a big thing. It's been part of the, the labor costs. It's been labor jumping up is because as a result of that. Also part of inflation, too. I mean, same thing. If you want the higher workers, you have to pay their higher money. Um, uh, simply as that. You know, so there's an article that's out here again, and I'm switching gears. Simply because this is an article, I think it's pretty important right now with all the things that's going on. And we keep hearing about AI, artificial intelligence. Is it, is it this new fad? Is this new thing that's going to work out? And so part of what I do in my industry is I have to delve into this stuff. And I'm not a programmer. I'm not going to claim that I do that. But, um, but at the same time, I have to dig pretty uh, dig into this, deep into this. And there's an article that was out on a couple of days ago by Wallace Witkowski saying, and it's a big title, Will AI do it in a video with the dot-com boom did for Sun Microsystems? And let's compare um, current hype and in the past ones. And so in here, if you remember way back in a, the dot-com, everybody's talking about we want to have all this big server space. And Sun Microsystems was a company that built great big servers for doing database and holding information and networking that but really changed how things work. So as a result of that then, they had to build out the whole industry and say, oh, how is this going to work? We also saw the same thing with Lucent Technology and fiber optics later on in, in Norvell Networks. They had to build all this whole industry to try to bring it around and make it work. They knew it would work, but they didn't know if they were going to be able to people to do it. And so at one point in time, Sun Microsystems had a micro cap, and this is 25 years ago, $200 billion. Eventually, Oracle bought them out for $9 billion simply because their business had fallen off because the economy moved around them and going to different places. So the conversation then comes inside of the article here is with companies like um, AI, and AMD, and NVIDIA, and all these companies doing all this artificial intelligence chips, um, are they in the same place? Is it the same industry? Is there something that's going to be ramping up and going crazy um, and then falling apart and businesses are just going to stop and drop and die? 
And so in the article, the conversations that they're having in here um, is could it be a, the next, as a matter of fact, the, the title is, uh, they have one of the article, uh, paragraphs, is could NVIDIA be the next Sun Microsystem? Um, and I don't think so. Um, if we take a look at where NVIDIA stands, and I'm just using NVIDIA as an example in this article, folks. Again, I'm not saying buy it or sell it, but um, they have expectations of data growth to be $15 billion or nearly double year over year from last year to next, with an additional potential $20 billion adding on top of it for 2024. And they're saying just from the purchases that Microsoft, Meta, Alphabet, Cloud, um, and ByteDance buy could actually pay for it on its own aside from all the other companies because of the drive that these chips want to do. And essentially what they're doing, folks, is they're building computer chips that will help you build faster computers and data. And the stuff will be itself. I think the Terminator's coming. Yeah, you, but, you know what uh, I think about AI. I think AI is going to be the downfall of our society eventually. That uh, uh, well, We're just not going to be able to control it at some Stephen point. Stephen Hawking had actually said that. At some point. Um, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, is we've been using AI for a long time. Well, I understand. And, I mean, we, you and I both have AI sitting right in front of us here on our, our phones. Um, as well as my car. I think for cars just going to about drive itself now. So, uh, But there's that's no, all artificial for, intelligence. There's no way I'm ever going to allow a car to drive itself when I'm in it. <laughs> I, I don't care how good they get I'm the wicked. technology. I'm not letting a, a computer drive a car that I'm riding in. Um, and you can call me an old fogey if you want, but I'll be alive anyway. Um, well, unless so, you fall asleep. So how, so how does, well, yeah. So how does AI work as far as your job as an investment advisor or financial planner are you using ai in any of your daily tasks that you do for clients not directly but it's happening in our industry quite a bit um it's, it's coming in so um uh, let me give an example of, of of how i know it's being used if you take a portfolio tom and you bring your 10 million dollar portfolio tomorrow just trying when, to help when i when i win the mega million yeah, so right. it'll be a 200 or yeah. $1.2 billion. Portfolio. So somebody brings a $10 million portfolio to Merle. There's a couple of things that you have to do. You have to go through and you have to adjust, you know, what's the risk for the reward inside of the portfolio. You have to make adjustments for it. And so it's a huge amount of computation. You have to go through this portfolio, Tom. And you have to go through and say, what's my, you know, uh, risk weighted average. You got to do all this sort of stuff to see if the portfolio is performing. You have to have a bunch of work. And Tom, I've been doing this stuff for 30 years. I've been doing it by hand. It's a lot of work. God bless spreadsheets. And now, with some of the work that's happening as a result of AI, you have companies who can take this portfolio, drop it inside of there. It'll not only do all the risk parameters, it'll do more stuff than I can do in an instant that would take me a week of calculations to do. And I know where it's coming from. It's coming because of computer systems and AI and stuff that's you know, uh, just moving stuff a lot faster. So I can look at the portfolio, tell where there's problems inside the portfolio, get it straightened out to be able to match whatever the client wants to do. So maybe having a client that wants a, a growth portfolio, but the portfolio is not performing. So we can actually go into it and analyze and say, here's the reason your portfolio is not making money. Um, here's this doing more aggressive than you want, more conservative, whatever you want. We can do that stuff inside of an instant. And so I'm seeing that as the industry comes along, somebody should be able to come up and, and just put the portfolio into a company or a service that does this. It says, here's my portfolio. What's wrong with it? And you might be able to find uh, within the near term, within five years, if I had to guess, a person will be able to take a look at the portfolio and say, okay, it needs this, this, and this. Well, the person may not know how to fix the this, this, and this, but at least there's going to be some programming that's out there that can tell you what the problem is. Is there the possibility of abusing a system like that uh, out there that, that we need to be aware of? 
I think there's always problems with that, but I think that's where you have the Securities Exchange Commission and FINRA that are involved in that, making sure that, at least in our industry, speaking for that, um, that it's on the right, it's on the up and up, and it's not for a particular. Uh, I, I mentioned that because there was a story I read yesterday or the day before. There, there are some uh, people that have Tesla automobiles that are suing Tesla now because the, the algorithm they use to determine how long the car can go between charges was artificially enhanced at the uh, order of Elon Musk, apparently. Um, so there can be abuses to these algorithms or AI uh, functions, I would imagine. And as you said, numbers can be skewed to be the, whatever you need. The government is supposed to, you know, monitor stuff like that. Although some people say the government shouldn't be involved. It's, you know, it should just be free and open in, in the Wild West. Uh, that's America. It's the why you know, the government shouldn't be involved in oversight. But if it's not, if there's no oversight of these situations, that leaves all kinds of bad the possibilities. I think the it? government's job should be have some sort of a standard. You know, so the government says, here's the standard. You're going to adhere to the standard or you're not. And if you're not, you're not doing business. Um, I think that's the way that it should be. Just have a standard. You know, so, um, you know, and, and again, I know we're jumping around a little bit, folks, but this is what Tom and I do and we like doing it. So there. <laughs> Um, we are still open for your phone calls, 715-845-2155. It is good for national security as we are nearshoring and bringing more and more manufacturing back from China. Digging into the details. Going into August, it's going to be an uptick in all these heat-related illnesses. Well-versed and well-prepared for it. And keeping you looped into the latest. It is a perpetual pattern, and the fact is there are real people that are impacted, impacted by, by that. that. Hear it as it happens. WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. Yes? The brain is back. I okay. remember now. All right. So, folks, if you didn't know this, um, we were uh, fortunate enough to uh, take Mom to Alaska for a lifetime trip. And when uh, we uh, came back, um, our whole party ended up with COVID. So I'm sitting here with COVID brain. And as we went off in this. Uh, you're not. Uh, you're not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't have COVID lungs. Okay. Just the fog. So as a result of that, I told Tom, I said, what the heck are we talking about? We went off air. But I remember now. So going back to this uh, original article we were talking about, which is saying, you know, is um, NVIDIA and all this .com, so is it going to just come collapsing back down again? And so Tom and I were talking about how the Terminator is coming and is going to take over the world with the uh, AI. And it may or may not be the case. Who knows? Um, but you know, the thing is, is that when you take a look at the companies that are in here, either with you're know, looking at uh, Microsoft or, um, uh, you know, NVIDIA or any of these companies, the difference is, is they're actually in, in enhancing an industry that's already out there with the cloud computing and data and that kind of stuff. And so the article simply is, inside of this article is that they are in here, is that they don't believe that this is a run-by-night thing where it's going to be out here because these companies have to recreate the space. The space is there. They're just enhancing and taking it to a whole new level is the, how this uh, article ends itself. 
um, if you will. I saw another article, and uh, you mentioned Apple earlier that they're down a little bit, and the uh, the article was talking about what's a better investment at this point in time, Apple or Amazon, and their suggestion was Amazon is a better uh, investment at this point in time than Apple. Can the average investor invest in those companies, or are the, the, the shares just too expensive to even think about? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, 10% of an $80 amount is still 10%. So if a person wants to buy, you know, uh, $5,000 worth of uh, AMD or Apple or something like that, you buy $5,000 worth. Um, you don't have to buy 50000 because 10% of 5000 is still 10%. Um, so the dollar amount really doesn't matter. It used to be in the old days that you know, always wanted to buy 100 share lots of the stock. It's not that way. Uh, with the digital stuff, we'll have people who buy four shares of a stock now. Can you buy? I, I heard a story a while back about buying micro shares. Is that a thing that's becoming more popular? That if you can't afford an entire share, you can maybe buy a micro share you, you or something? You can, but I always say at least get a whole share. Um, the micro shares are always kind of a pain when you try to sell them because now you have to try to do all the calculations with the fractions and that kind of stuff. Um, I'd always say just buy the whole share. But if you're looking at a share there's that's probably 80 bucks, why buy a fractional share? Just buy the whole. There's thing. probably an AI program that would do those fractional math uh, for you. Oh, there's no doubt that it's actually <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, so, uh, your take is Amazon would be a better deal, a uh, better investment at this point in time than Apple? I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know about that if it's a, a better deal or not. I read the article uh, uh, briefly, but so I don't have a comment on which one is better. Um, but I think they're, they're what they're looking at is that Amazon right now is. Is you know still selling products and services, still making profit. They're still setting stuff up. They're still doing the work, and in their opinion, is that Apple needs to you know get sparking and doing something. Uh, so the conversations I've I've read again in articles, they're talking about why where's Apple with all this AI stuff, and they're really be kind of been, uh, tight on the lip. I'd be surprised if Apple's not doing some artificial intelligence on their own, or I've already been doing it because they've been doing it with Siri for years, and so it wouldn't surprise me if they have something and just haven't announced something at this point in time. So. I don't know one way or another, but Apple could certainly use an injection with a new product or a great update on a product uh, to make it even better than what it was. You know, we haven't done the show in like nine months or so, and I usually would ask you occasionally what uh, sectors of the marketplace are, are hot right now, or at least going to be, that uh, put put on your swami hat. I know you can't talk about individual companies, but uh, uh, the sectors that you think it, are it going has, to be a growth uh, situation. It has been tech, and I think tech's going to continue to keep going on for a while. They keep talking about the you know the fantastic seven, which is all the names you might think of, but um, the tech sector is, is continuing on. It's really been because of the artificial intelligence and all the things that are booming with that. The the, the AI stuff is going to change how we do things. It, it, it already has. You know, I I like to bring back and have a conversation with a young man who is one of these computer brilliant geek guys kids, and so he and I were having a conversation, which means that I'm probably a geek because I was having the conversation with him, but. Can you understand him is the question. Can I understand him, yeah. That's, uh, he's a lot smarter than me, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I can understand him. You know, um, NVIDIA folks used to make chips for computer games. And and what's a computer game other than just rudimentary artificial intelligence? Because a computer game is trying to take your input and match input to it to make it a better experience while you're playing the game. I'm not a gamer. I don't play video games hardly at all unless I'm with my son or something. Um, but that's the whole part of it. And so they're building their chips and stuff based upon that. And they said, well, hold it. We can actually incorporate other things that are doing the same type of thing. And and so the the level of programming it takes and, and so forth is huge. And then along the way, NVIDIA decided to um, uh, build computers that would build faster chips. 
And in doing so, then it changed everything. It said, hold up, we can adapt this to all kinds of other products. And I think that's going to be a real thing going forward. And the technology that's using that um, can be faster. So the tech is just going to be quicker and quicker. Microsoft, uh, Microsoft invested inside of a company called OpenAI. And um, uh, OpenAI, of course, then, um, I'm sorry, yeah, OpenAI, is it? Yeah, whichever it is. But we'll figure out about the investment side of a company. Now they're using it as part of their um, Bing search engines where you can just talk into it. It'll go through and search the stuff and find it a lot faster for you and information quicker than you might have ever had. It'll do math problems. It'll write you a song. So all that stuff is just in the early stages. It's just continuing to keep growing. And so if you have multiple math equations or problems, you should be able to talk it into your machine. You know, it's been nine. Last week I read an article. Um, a AI program passed its bar exam. That's not a good thing. That 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 that's but it just not shows a good how fast thing. things are going. That's uh, all. You know, I waited, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just is. I've waited nine months to ask this question. What's going on with uh, Bitcoin these days? Uh, <laughs> uh, I know you're. Sorry, a big, I know I you're a big you. fan. My, my earphone's going a little funny. It's scratchy here. <laughs> still not a big fan. I still not a big fan. All right. Hey, we're just about out of time here. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, we'll finally be back in the office. You can stop, stop and give us a call, kick the tires. 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop on in, say hello, have a cup of coffee. You can call us locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wausau area, at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. All right. I would say we'll talk to you again next week, but it'll be Mike Leishner or Tom Schumacher in here All to right. talk to you next Saturday. And we'll see you somewhere down the road, my Yep, friend. have a good one. Uh, it's coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the Polka shows on the way. Brewer baseball later today. The Brewers taking on the Pirates again, and you can hear the game here, pregame show at 535, right here on WSAU. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? 